Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Next Tsunami podcast. This week, we are offering four conversations from episode 21, our first ESOL Congress preview episode with Vice Secretary Alexander Krog and Education Counselor Sven Franke. Plus, from the vault, conversation 32.3 from season three, part of our same-day coverage of last year's International River Congress. As we discussed in this episode, the ILC title has been retired and replaced by ESOL Congress this year. This final conversation starts with me describing one of my favorite meeting elements, the chance to speak with the authors of late-breaking and separately award-winning abstracts about their work and what lies behind it. This leads to general agreement in the group about the immeasurable value of dialogue with researchers and its pivotal role in the Congress experience. We then consider elements that will work particularly well for virtual attendees and move on to a final question asking each panelist to describe what excites them most about the event. Sir Fon, hear more. As this conversation and the simple fact of a name change imply, the Easel Congress 2023 is poised to be a major breakthrough event in our community. This conversation captures some of the excitement and dynamism that Easel leaders feel about the event and how excited the co-hosts are as well. So just sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the conversation in our LinkedIn discussion group. personal comment about something I love about the major meetings are the posters, the late breaker posters and the posters of distinction. You get to see the best and most exciting work that didn't make it to presentation. But what you get to do is actually talk with the researcher at as much length as you can about what, why, what does it pretend? What did you learn that isn't in this poster? And I've found those to be some of my, personally, some of my most rewarding and fascinating conversations at the event. I don't know how anybody else feels about that, but I've loved that stuff. Sven Frank. No, I think you're absolutely right and if we look at the selection it's it's a very tough selection and only a fraction of the, the excellent research that is submitted can be presented as an oral presentation so those high level posters are very important and we have the, the small poster sessions but also the poster tours just to have that interaction with those mostly young researchers on their research it's, it's a very important element also and then also for those young researchers it's very important that interaction with, with the attendees of the Congress. So you're, you're absolutely right. It's also one of the things we, we shouldn't miss. Jörn Schattenberg. Sven is flattering me. I have a number of posters. I, I'm considered young. I think the important message is it's not enough speaking slots for all the excellent science. That's how I view it. And I agree, Roger. If you move to the posters, the people took all the work to prepare this and actually get into discussion. This is really about the exchange in the meeting. And I'm looking forward to it. Alexander Craig. I ask very much agree with this poster thing and, and if I look back many of these I today do research with who are my friends been it for a long time I met them with my poster or with their posters so that's exactly a, a, an amazing space where you can actually discuss and it's less I guess the barrier is much much lower than standing in a big room and going to the mic so that, I think that's a really good suggestion to, 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 to go there and discuss and exchange and conference. So now let's go to the virtual conference because at least two-thirds of this audience will not be there in person. If you were virtual, you have some benefits and you have a lot of drawbacks. But if one were in the virtual audience, what are the moments you would suggest they definitely do not miss if they're not in the room? So they don't get the benefit of being there, but they do get the benefit of learning and being exposed to thought. Where do you think the most power lies for people who are attending virtually? I don't know. I guess if, if you're virtual, you probably prepare well and then you nail directly down to what you want to see. So I think that people will not miss the sessions, the special session. If they're interested in the different SSC of diagnostics and NI, it sees it's said that they go for that but what i think you should not miss out on if 
you are an online attendee. That is actually the general sessions and the opening ceremony. Some of these things where we actually try to communicate where is this big ecosystem of global hepatology moving, if you're interested. That's what we're trying to convey, at least in the opening session, where you also recognize some of those who actually built the ground we stand on today. And I think that's, again, important. That's why we do these prizes. And again, in the general session, I think also exposing you a little bit, again, most of our hepatologists, we have our interest areas. But in general, let's say we do rounds or we ask you whatever, we see all kinds of patients. So being a little open to see also the things outside your specific areas interest. And then the studios, of course, uh, they are, of course, open to everybody. But the studios, they give you also a flavor of the discussions at, at the meeting. Besides, indeed, the, the program or the elements of the program you pick out for your for your own interest. And for my colleagues in the States who will be in the States, just a reminder that you can catch up on these things at any point in the conference. So you don't have to necessarily be awake and uh, compass mentis for the opening ceremony in order to see the opening ceremony, say, when you wake up, if you don't choose to wake up at four in the morning. And, uh, and by the way, to commend you folks, as 7,000 chefs, given what a good thing caffeine is for people with uh, for people's livers, that you've put together a schedule that's going to have us all running on more caffeine than we know what to do with. I think that was an impressive, if, if, if not necessarily designed, benefit for, for all of our livers. So with that, you and Louise, any more questions you folks have right now? I think Sven and Alexander painted a perfect picture of what's going to be a very exciting meeting across you know, a number of uh, topics, in particular on non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So uh, no more questions, but just very excited to get to uh, the Easel Congress. Louise Campbell. Yeah, I'm liking the broad breadth of public health that's in it this year. I think there's a state-of-the-art lecture on the Easel Monset, but there's also some other sessions about public health and how we look for liver ill health. I suppose some of the language is changing. Liver health rather than just liver disease, which is a fraction of the liver health issue that we pose globally, which um, was commented on earlier with the WHO. So I'm interested to see where we go with that dialogue because we have to open it out of disease into more health personally. I think that's, that's a great point. If you come out of industry, which is where about a little better than half of this audience is, and you're not attending in person, and you only go to presentations of research for drugs or diagnostics that will directly affect what you see as the scientific path for the patient, you're missing the big picture. Can I come to that, Luigi? Because next week, actually, I will moderate the Easel Studio from uh, live from Geneva when we've just been engaging with WHO and there we will explain exactly why we do that and how we do that. I think we just send out the promo for it. So next uh, Monday, uh, 7.30 but again also will be uh, available later to explain why do we do it how do we do it, what does it actually mean where do we want to go and why is it very important we staying together on this. 7.30 a.m. or p.m. and on whose time? Uh, CEST so that will be Geneva time (laughs) Okay. And is that a.m. or p.m.? Yeah, yeah. That's what I figured. So so for those of us in the States, that's somewhere between breakfast, uh, late breakfast and late lunch. Really well timed. I will put it on my calendar. I had not had it on my calendar. I will put it on my calendar. I would love to see it. Thank you. In closing, first of all, a little bit about 2024. Since I know you I know you haven't even been through 2023 yet, but what can you tell us about 2024? I think I'm very optimistic. I think we um, I'm full of hope and the way things go is positive. And obviously in this space, there are two drug candidates now engaging 
engaging with FDA, it's we will very most likely have the first two drugs on the market. That would change a lot. That would bring a lot of optimism. If you imagine all these failed trials that that really took some pushbacks in in the in the whole space, and now suddenly we have an open, we have an optimistic, we have a big drug-like pipeline, and also see the way that yeah, now I can speak for Easel, but actually some of these activities are in close collaborations with all the other global societies and also national societies. That this community is actually coming together in in a really nice coordinated way. So if we of course should span from what we do from the individual patient, that's important. But how can we actually navigate the national states? That's what we do with this WHO event. It's actually, you know, we have the health ministers from several of the biggest countries coming. If you have this kind of people in and you can push the WHO through uh, affecting what is actually the policy from the uh, World Health Assembly, that is will make our work easier at our national level because we say, okay, this is actually suggested by WHO. Now this is recognized as the non-communicable diseases. Okay, let's start do something. We cannot continue to ignore it. How, where are these healthcare pathways? How do we actually implement these biomarkers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we have a very, very important but super exciting work. And the wind is not against us. The wind is with us. <laughs> so we just have the wings out, guys, and then enjoy. Point well made. I want to go back to 2024. But first of all, responses to Alexander's comment. I think that's a, that's a great that's a great statement about the, the breadth of uh, activity and the path ahead. Thoughts or comments on that? I only have one comment on that because in the European publication of obesity, the World Health Organization did use the word that NAFLD was the largest, fastest growing NCD in people with obesity. So the WHO have used in an official document the term non-communicable disease. Please send that to me. That would be a great help. Thank you. <laughs> yes, it's in their own document. I will send it to you. It's page 146. Line. I know it more or less exactly where it is. They used it for the first time yes you can have it at your table and say you have used this term please send it over yeah absolutely that's really really a breakthrough so and, and when you use it please tell people one of the reasons they need to listen to this podcast every week is because they get chestnuts like that one louise that's fantastic thanks now have you started planning for 2024 yet at all or i mean i know you have location selected but beyond that yeah every time you have something so some of these returning events so the meeting already the learnings how you actually evolve but also for the nfld summit Probably not going to call Nuffle Neville D something, but something else summit, <laughs> but around the same topics. <laughs> so all these no, and then I think the roadmap, because we know all this WHO thing, it's not something that's solved by one meeting. No, no. These are long-term commitment. That's also why they should be rooted in the societies. So this is a roadmap we've built that will take years, and we will not stop until we have changed the world, basically. And the same thing also with this initiative with the Healthy Liver, Healthy Lives that, that started, and now, now already two very high-level publications coming out. But that's also just the beginning, because, you know, global challenges, they call for global reactions. So why it can be as a leader easier to just rule your own business, because it's much more different if we want to bring the whole world together. But if you can do that, then you can achieve so much more. So that's that that I think is is, 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 is really vital to what we do because this brings a layer to all the other things where we are local, we are national, we do our research, that's important, we drive our journals, whatever. But can we put this extra layer? And again, it's just to 
should be clear that that it is there's a competition with with other diseases. So so and 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 if we don't speak up, then the the advocates from the other diseases they kind of win the battle, and, and there we are the ambassadors or whatever for the for the liver. So that's I think important. We have this layer, and in particular for things like this, that really has a, is a global public health threat. And, and the line that resonates with me now, Alexander, now easily is pushing it is love your liver, and we love your liver. We love your liver. Yes, we all love the liver. That's why we're here. So with that, just closing question. When the conference ends, this is a personal question for Jorn and Louise and an organizational question for Sven and Alexander. What will tell you how successful this Congress has been when it ends? What's the feeling or the feedback that you're looking for or, or the insight that you'll hope to have gotten that will lead you to say, this was a fantastic event. Brave one, go first. I'm happy to go first because it's so easy. You, of course, maybe want to have me say numbers. And of course, if you have a big party, you'll love to have guests. But what I want is the sense that people out there who are there, they are energized, they are optimistic, they are full of hope, they've met new friends, they've got new ideas, they go home, they do different things, they start new collaborations, they make new projects. If you can feel that, and that's in the air, so that you can feel, that is success to me. That's a great answer. I like that answer better than numbers, frankly. Numbers isn't what I was looking for. I can only echo that because it was exactly what I intended to say. It's walking around there and having the reactions of the people there and sense how they experience it and if it's indeed what I normally get as a participant from a meeting if I get back with my batteries recharged I mean batteries in terms of not just research but, but ideas and, and, and conversations if I can sense that with the people I meet there then it's okay Superb. Jorn, what will tell you it's been a success for you? I'm joining Easel Congress as faculty and presenter, but also as hepatologists wanting to learn more, right? And I'm going to be listening to non-NAFLD sessions to expand my view and, and, and get to meet colleagues that work in other fields. You know, just open to new impressions, new concepts, new biomarkers. And from that, I think it will be a very personal, how is the excitement with the colleagues that I speak to, how, how do they feel about the, the, the Congress? It will be a very personal note for me um, in the end, but I think it will be overly uh, positive. I suppose with the agenda that I've seen, I'm looking to take away the practical parts of what we can do now to help our patients feel, think and function with any of the diseases and I think there's an awful lot of scope across that plus I'm quite excited to see the movement to looking for liver health the non-invasive diagnostics and how we screen and where we put that in so I'm looking at that what we can do now not what we can do in 15 years with some of the medications coming out and some of these so and I think it crosses those barriers for me it, it brings both sides what's in the future what's potential what may never reach fulfillment but actually what practical things we can take now to make our patients feel better and survive better in this current landscape. So as frequently happens, I wish I had given your answer, but I didn't. You did. So I'm going to give a slightly different one. You know, meetings like this, particularly during periods of tremendous intellectual growth and, and tremendous quantities of research, sometimes they feel like raging rapids, right? And it all comes at you at once with no form, no organization. And all you got to do is try to keep your head above water as, as the water swirls around you. And sometimes you feel the thing organizing almost as if now I live 
uh, on the Delaware River. I have a wing dam outside my house where they organized what were once the wildest rapids on the Delaware River. So I tend to look for the wing dam. I tend to look for, has something happened that's helped us to organize everything we're learning and at the same time have new ideas, which is great, but also a greater common understanding of what we're dealing with as compared to just a lot of data. I think you folks have put into place a bunch of mechanisms that should help do that. But um, there, I think, uh, to speak to uh, the chefs who are uh, making the meal, there, I think it's actually in the souffle. Does it rise or does it fall when you come to dessert? When we gauge the height of the souffle, we'll figure out how well that worked. But I, I'm tremendously excited. And, and you folks have done a great job of whetting my appetite, our appetites, and I believe our audience's appetite. So with that, I will see you in Vienna. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded the conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. Please remember, we will have extensive Easel Congress coverage, starting with a second preview episode posting June 14th, same-day coverage during the Congress, and finishing with two follow-up episodes, one on abstracts and one on basic science, posting on June 28th and July 12th. Next week, co-chair Jeff Lazarus will be our guest and join his other co-chair, our co-host, Jorn Shaw, to review this weekend's coming Innovations in Apple Care Conference in Barcelona. It should be fascinating. So until then, stay safe. Surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.